Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Let me go again. I, I always get that bit wrong. Hey everyone, welcome to Wright's House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all safe and well. Today we're going to be talking about the FA Cup. I'm going to look ahead to the semi-finals. I'm going to give flowers to Martin Erdegaard because he deserves them. Talk about Glenn Kamara and the racial abuse he received against Slavia Prague last week. Plus the great news, the magnificent news that a new TV deal for the Barclays WSL. And a quick chat about the English squad for the upcoming games. And my guest today is Carl Anker from The Athletic. How are you doing, Carl, from The Athletic, my brother? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm really cool, man. I love, what's it called? We've got to get a picture of that, that top, what you're wearing, man. I didn't realise you was coming dripped up again. i got to come you're correct. You're going on me, bro. I've got to come correct when I come in the house. Honestly, man, looking good, man. Everything cool with you? How's the world? Yeah, not bad. I've done my shoulder, but it's Yes, man, better. we've got to tell him about that because that was massive news in the group, bro. Massive <laughs> news. Did you see the amount of love you was getting and- Gifts and memes. I did. I did. I was on painkiller, so it took me a while to understand what all the shapes were, but uh, it was meant a lot. Thank you to everyone who wished me get well soon. Mm. I'm nearly there. I'm still in a sling at the moment, but I can type for like an hour, hour and a half before I have to go Jesus, lie down. man. As long as it's okay, bro. As long as it's okay in this time. You know, I was going to say, Southampton, Leicester, semi-finals, Carl, and I know that Southampton are very, very close to you. Southampton are confusing me this season in the way it's gone. I would never have thought that the way it started and the way it was going, I always thought it was going to be a problem to maintain some of the levels and standard they got to, but it's fallen off. But now they've got themselves into the FA Cup semi-final. Unfortunately, they're up against Leicester. If you are Southampton, Carl, you probably would have wanted Leicester, but it's not, it's not a great tie for them. I think. The big one for Southampton fans is uh, they're going to get quite sick and tired of the amount of mentions of 9-0. I'm sorry I've done it now. Um, so yes. when I was covering Southampton last season, yeah. Yeah. I had a little, I like a version of the swear jar. So anytime I mentioned South, um, the 9-0 result, I put, f- yeah. I put five pound in, in this jar. <laughs> and then at the end of the season, I donated it to Southampton Foundation. Their charity is sort of like, well done. Sorry. I, I, might I'm gonna st- I like that. I might do that because... It's very, it's very difficult not to. If you mention Southampton and Leicester, you probably, uh, you, you instantly start thinking of the 9-0. But this, Leicester and where they are at the minute, 
Carl, and Southampton are where they are, I, I find it's going to be a very tough game for Southampton because you, you feel like Leicester now going out of Europe as well. It's the same thing happened with Arsenal and they went on to miraculously beat City when none of us expected it to. But you kind of feel like Leicester's on that same road. It's such a good trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember that game where they beat Chelsea and James Madison gave that amazing interview afterwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he said he was watching Frank Lampard tapes and that helped him score Frank Lampard goals against Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Mm. And they asked him at the end, sort of, what do you think about Leicester in a title race? And he sort of went, look, I can say something, but I don't want to. And mm. he said, let them talk about United, let them talk about the Liverpools. We're just going to quietly get on with what we want to get on with. And I think that really suits Leicester. They just quietly get on with their stuff. They don't really want to get involved in, in the mm. big mess of the other heavy hitters. And now that, you know, we said this before about how it's not really a top six, it's probably top seven or maybe yeah. a top six, including Leicester. Mm-hmm. And if they get the FA Cup, this is their first semi-final in a couple of decades, I yes. believe. And if I they get... I got you know, 82. I think since 82. That's good. Like you can understand why Gary Lineker went, <laughs> <laughs> It's a long time, but you, I think um, you look at, at, at Leicester and I think it would be, for me, um, fitting for them to, if they did get to the final, you know what I mean? I'd like Southampton to do it. I'm, you know what I mean? Now that when your team's out of it, you just look for the team that you think is the least favourite out of the semi-finals. You think, wonder if they could do it. And you look at it and you think to yourself, it's going to be tough because mm-hmm. I believe that Leicester could beat any of the other two as well, depending on players that they're able to get out there. Kelechi's form is fantastic. I'm so pleased for him because I've, if I'm going to be totally honest with Kelechi, he's somebody that this season has come to the fore in a way that I didn't think he would because I thought that he was just one of those players that at Man City came on every now and then, nicked a goal in a team that were just all conquering and amazing. So I'm thinking, yeah, he's just there to tap it in. But in the last four or five games, what I've seen of him, he's, he's, he's kind of got everything. Um, and, the, and the goal, what he scored, where he just went through and then just kind of lifted it, chipped it over the goalkeeper. That said everything I needed to know about him because I think they were losing at the time. And he finished it in a way that was very, it was very astute. Mm. And it said to me, yeah, okay. Because I was one of those people who said, I, I'm, I don't see it. I don't see, I don't see it with Kelechi in the actual. But now, all of a sudden you're seeing it and the worry about not having the Vardy and what Vardy gives them, you know, is still something that they have to worry about for me, Carl, simply because of what he does give them. But Kelechi is starting to get into a, a vein of form where you're thinking, okay, if he is missing and Brendan Rodgers with as good a, a manager as he is, he'll be able to, he'll be able to construct something around Kelechi where, it, you know, they could do some damage. It's really clever work from Brennan Rogers, right? So he's lost Harvey Barnes, he's lost James mm. Madison, mm. and you're thinking, okay, the machine's going to slow down. But mm. how he's managed to to basically get Yuri Tillemans to carry some of the extra creative burden mm. in mm. those wide areas, and how, I mean, I did not see this coming from Iacho either, right? I thought mm. he was, I thought he was, again, pretty good at getting mm. some tap-ins, mm. and I thought he had an advantage because he had a left, he was left-footed, mm-hmm. and that left-footed fish, finish meant away, but I didn't see him being this sort of striker. And I didn't see Jamie Vardy becoming almost like a creator to get this out of Iniacho. Yes. And it's that thing of, <laughs> there's that, uh, I think there's that Instagram post where Indeedy and Iniacho are talking, and then Vardy's there, and he's like typed it in Pigden. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Just sort of, 
the team spirit they've got at yeah. Leicester, when you consider the age range and the different nationalities involved mm. and how Brendan Rodgers got everyone on the same page and got everyone yeah. to buy in and share with each other and how they can play three or four different ways, right? Yes. So the really interesting thing about Leicester is they can do to you what your special move is. Yes. It's that fun thing. Of, I'm actually, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. So that it, United, the United game, mm-hmm. I'm watching that goal with Tielemans. I'm going, that's the sort of goal United used to score a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, Brendan Rodgers can look at another team and go, can we copy that and do it our way with our players? Yeah. And they're, yeah, they, they can. They're not, they can. They're going to be, they're going to be around for a long time. Mm. You know, with um, Southampton, I mentioned South, I've got to mention Ings and I'll see the, the link Ings with City and mm-hmm. the disrespect, bro. The disrespect what people are giving Danny Ings. You think to yourself, why are you doing that when we've seen Danny Ings <clears throat> for the last couple of seasons, especially get himself into the England squad coming from a, um, a, a, a terrible injury, you know, when, it, when he didn't quite get to do what he needed to do at Liverpool, when his faults, the injury. Went to Southampton and literally got himself back, got himself in the England squad, scoring goals at this level, making it look easy. And now he's linked with a Manchester City side, a Manchester City that probably may not be able to get their main target, but they need somebody who can stay in there and finish chances. How does that not make sense to people when you're talking about the recruitment level and the, 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 the astute management, the, the, like, like I mentioned, the cr- recruitment level? Why would you take the piss out of that kind of link? It doesn't think, make sense. I think it's one of those things of Southampton are a team. Are, are, we joked about this last season Southampton are nearly always on last the match of the day right mm-hmm. there before when there was the 3pm blackout they weren't a team that got too much televised football I think they had seven games on TV maybe fewer than that before we had lockdown and behind mm-hmm. closed doors so they're not on TV too much they're not on match of the day first too often unless they're mm-hmm. losing and it's that thing where they can quietly go on the radar and teams you know if you're not the sort of person who wants to watch four games in a weekend you cannot watch a Southampton game for a long, long time. Yeah. And I think you get that thing of, if you don't watch a player week in, week out, or at least once a month, you just don't know their qualities and you're going off the last time you saw them. And yeah. Southampton are in a bit of a funk. <clears throat> and I don't think people saw how good Danny Ings was last season. Mm. And this is the thing that a lot of stats nerds and some Liverpool fans were saying was it was simply like, it wasn't Danny Ings was bad. It was the fact that Danny Ings just got hurt. If you look at last time they went to Anfield, every time they go to Anfield, the Liverpool players and Klopp basically go over to England. Oh, oh, how how are you doing? Yeah. Are you good? Yeah. Are you fine? And whatnot. And I, I mean, this is the fun thing where Ings basically has everything in him to replace Bobby Firmino, right? Exactly. The way, the way Ings was playing now. Yes. You look at it now, going, you can see where, you're, you're absolutely right, Carl. You can look at Ings and you say, like, if Ings was backing up Bobby Firmino now when he's going through that spell, Carl, mm-hmm. you could probably see, yeah, I could see him linking that. You could see that happening. He's got this really nice running engine, so he, he can lead a press really, really well. He's got a very good right foot. He's good in, he's good in the air. He's not bad on his left foot. Um, and he's got everything you want. Like, and again, it, it makes sense. If you're a team that wants to play high-pressing football and you want a striker to who's smart enough to basically pressurize yeah. all your centre-backs and whatever, you, yeah, you can get Danny Ings. You look at it, Carl, and it, it makes perfect sense to me. As soon as they say it, you think, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that because Danny Ings as well, yes, he'll, he'll be able to press like Pep would probably want him to press, but he'll know how to stay in the areas 
where you are just going to get chance upon chance upon chance. Can you imagine someone like him with De Bruyne, with the, the wingers, with Mahrez coming in, knocking a ball across the box? Danny Ings could get 25 goals in that, in that team at a canter. At a canter. So I just, I, I just, when I saw it, I just thought to myself, I just hate when people do that. It's the same kind of link when we were linked with people like, when we were linked with, with Evans. Arsenal linked with Evans, the disrespect when we were linked with Gary Cahill, the disrespect. And you think to yourself, those people, they do jobs. They come in and mm-hmm. they do do their job. So, you know what? If that does materialise, I'm very excited for him because if you can imagine what he probably would have went through being at Liverpool, the club he wanted to be at, and then getting the injury and then having to move. That people have to understand the depths you go in yourself to, to, to come back from that kind of disappointment. So there's no word in English language, like single word for the back of the knee. Mm-mm. Like you, you just have to call it, it the back of the knee, the right? <laughs> you can't, there's no like special scientific word for it. And like our understanding of knees isn't great. Mm. There's so much like knee, like I say, see knee stuff. There's muscle, <laughs> there's muscle and ligament and nerve tissue and the way knees move, they're so complex. So when we say someone has a knee injury, I don't think that properly gets across what happens. Or mm. is it a bit like when someone says, I got a dead leg. A mm. dead leg doesn't really describe, there's like clotting of your blood there. Right. And you've got to bear in mind, if Danning's done his ACL, if you do your anterior cruciate ligament, that means there's a spell in your rehab where you're basically going, right, how, can I still walk the same way I used to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not only did Ings have to re, you know, find a w- new way to walk, he had to find a new way to run, he had to make sure the time signatures were all right. So yeah. when he was running into the box, it was the, still the same way he used to. And the difference between Ings, not last season, but the season before that. So Ings, you know, he, he came on loan from Liverpool. He wasn't mm. great. And he basically went, right, I need to go lights out all summer. He didn't have, yes. a, sum, he didn't have a summer holiday. He was training with this guy called Alex Parsons all summer. Brilliant. And basically he said he trained so hard he could, he had, he like wore down the heel of his foot. Oh my gosh. And he was like, yeah, like the socks had nothing left at heel. Because I just wanted to get excellent at the start mm. of the season. And his personal trainer went, look, you will be good around Christmas. So when everyone's dropping like flies, all this extra mm. work you're doing, this is for Christmas time, which I think that's such a weird thing in the timeline of just your body's going to properly activate around Christmas mm. time. And you saw it last season where you scored that great goal on New Year's Day against um, Tottenham Hotspur. That mm-hmm. sort of Gaza thing yeah, and he's like yeah 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 that flick inside and then whipped it in with his left foot and that's the thing it's a similar thing this summer he just doesn't take summers off he's just now lights out all the time because he knows he wants to be awake and make the most of the opportunities that come i love southampton so i'm not going to say it'd be great if he goes to manchester city because i also support manchester united but right. i think danny ings as a football player deserves his flowers and it, yeah, absolutely he's going to be a success yeah. wherever he goes yeah, give that man some respect, man. Put some respect on that name. But the other semi-final as well, though, Carl, City and Chelsea, is, a, is like I say, with Leicester. Leicester will be looking forward to playing against any of these, these guys. But I just feel, and I, I saw some, some stuff on Kante as well the other day, and I just feel that Chelsea are playing a kind of football under Tuchel that, you know, this will be the perfect, like, litmus test for them now. Mm-hmm. If, they can, if they can beat City at this stage, um, with a city that, let's face it, are all conquering city right now. If they can beat them in his first kind of like few months of being here, with you can see in progress with Chelsea, there's a there's a lot to admire about Chelsea. There's a lot to admire about the players and the way they're 
taking on what this manager wants. I love the way this manager's not, he's, he's not involved in anything other than what he's doing with that team and trying mm-hmm. to get them to, to perform the best they can. It's great to see Kante back what he, doing what he does best, but I really do feel that Chelsea are getting that forward quartet, whatever it is, right to absolutely starting to tear up teams. I'm really seeing that, feeling that. It's getting scary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's that sort of, uh, that, that's, it's when you realise how good that squad is. And Tuchel, he's a smart coach. And I think the first change he did was make Chelsea better up when they're outside of possession. So yeah. he's always making sure they're five men behind the ball so they're not getting sprung on the counter. And then when one of those men is N'Golo Kante, yeah. happy days. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing really, really good. And now I think that allows him to take his time and tune up every single attacking player he's got. So you can mm-hmm. see he's almost going in order like, all right, I'll fix up Havertz because Havertz's mm-hmm. confidence is low. Then I'll go fix Werner. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go fix Pulisic. And you yeah. can see he's sort of, it's almost like he waited for Christian Pulisic's turn because he went, mm-hmm. Pulisic, don't worry. I knew you from Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, I know what you're about. I know what you're about. Mm-hmm. You can wait last. That's not because I don't like you. It's just because mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for you last. And it's that thing of, he can slowly take each person piece by piece. I'm scared about Ziyech. Yes. Ziyech gets frightened to, to the levels that I yeah. saw him at Ajax. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy is... And that is why, Carl, you look at Chelsea and you feel that under this manager, and you're just starting to see it now, you see like even Ziyech, the way he played the other day and how good he was. You know, you see the way the players are playing. Mason Mount is never going to drop. He's an eight out of 10 performer. Then you've got N'Golo Kante playing like he plays, mm-hmm. like, we, like what brought him to our attention and prominence. And then you just think to yourself, if these players start to really connect um, Callum Hudson-Odoi and everybody and they get the striker nicking those goals Chelsea City should be afraid but the way City are playing with their free-flowing football and um, it's again you, you go into that game Carl and you're thinking well it's City can have five ten minutes in the game and it's over mm-hmm. um, and then Chelsea you feel like they could they could do what they do they play the ball up to that last third and you can't afford to continue to miss chances. I, I, who's, who are you going for in the final? Who you fancy to be in this final? I don't like doing this to people. I'm going to say it's going to be Leicester City versus, you know, I'll say Chelsea. You fancy Chelsea? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm going to probably go Leicester City. Like as, as much as Chelsea are doing great stuff, City and what they're doing, this time here now with City is their best time since he's been there that they can probably go on to, to win the Champions League if I'm be totally honest mm-hmm. because I feel that if there's any season that it could probably happen if, if he has that talk with them it could be this one what was it like when you were a player like, was there a certain time of the year where you started going the title's on if you have a good Christmas that blasts you into January then January's always you know it's cold and it's FA Cup and all that stuff's involved there's so many games in and around that period where they're vital games but because you are still looking at the league, you want to try and win them all to keep the momentum going. But all you're thinking about is, is not losing, Carl. Okay. You know, because you, you go through spells where we're not playing well, bro. Tony Adams will be coming in dressing room, screaming and shouting and stuff like that. It kind of like grounds you again. It centers you. Being in those dressing rooms and listening to the intensity of Tony and Arsene Wenger's calmness and the players looking around and seeing it in their eyes. You know, when you people are talking, Carl, but 
Like everybody's looking into that nothingness in front of them because you know that they're thinking about so many things. This game, making not get, not giving the ball away, making sure we keep the ball, not losing the game, taking chances. Everybody's staring into that nothingness while people are talking. The focus was so intense. You do feel a different energy when you start getting past January. There's a different energy. It was, it was, a, it was brilliant to be amongst it when we done it. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I got to say, Carl, my friend, watching Erdogan play for Arsenal, I'm so happy and I'm so sad. Simply because when you look at Erdogan's contribution, and I was thinking with this West Ham game, this is going to be different. He's got Suchek and Rice. You know what I mean? He's going to be playing in the area where he's got some real ballers in there with him. And I said, before the game, I said, I want to see how he, got, how he does. And not only does he excel, but we go 3-0 down. And the man is just literally just showing up. Him on the half turn, he's, he's quick thinking, he's passed. As soon as he gets it, he already knows what he's doing. We have to find a way to sign him. I don't know how it's <laughs> going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, Carl. He's the one. The amazing thing with on guard. And if anyone watching Arsenal and when he plays, just look how often he looks left and right. Look how often mm. he's checking his shoulders. Even during idle moments, that's the big difference between a good midfield player and a great one. Yeah. Right. He's always looking left and right. He's always going, okay, what's the yeah. picture? What's the picture? What's it? And that's why he can play in the half turn in the way you can describe, right? Yeah. He knows not only where everyone is, but he knows if I move five yards this way, I can change the picture yeah. in dramatic ways. It's really fun to see because his career could have gone so many ways after yes. that. You know, he goes to Real Madrid as a teenager under Ancelotti. Yeah. Ancelotti says, eventually says that it was a marketing thing. Zidane, who knew him from Castilla in, mm. in the B team, doesn't ever really seem to be a big fan of his for reasons that we still don't know. But mm. he's the real deal. He works yeah. hard, you know. He mm. Goes on loan into the Dutch league, plays at Herovin, plays mm. at Den Haag, I believe as well. He, he plays, you know, he earns his stripes. And now, yeah, it's the really difficult thing because there's no option to buy for Arsenal. No, no. So this- the better he plays the more Real Madrid either take him back or sell him elsewhere. But yeah, yeah. but under Zidane though, Carl, because like you mentioned, Zidane's seen a lot of him and enough of him. Like even when he was at Sociedad, how brilliant he was playing there. But like for him to come to the Premier League, and you know, we're talking about a guy who looks very slight, but he doesn't get himself into that kind of traffic and trouble where when he's got, he done a move the other day where he got the ball on his left foot and he was coming back towards his own goal. But then he turned sharply on the left foot and went back in and around the edge of the West Ham's box and then passed it out to the right. And you're thinking, that's the quality and composure that Arsenal need. Yeah, that composure when you're 3-0 down. Yes. Arteta must be on the sideline just thinking, oh my God, this is what I need. This is the guy. When the time comes, he's the first person to press, win the ball, 
so efficient on the ball. And you look at, you think to yourself, his contract runs out, what, 23 with Madrid. We're going through a spell now where there's not a lot of money about. Madrid need money. If Zidane stays there, can you see him putting Erdogan in his team? You're thinking to yourself, if he carries on playing like he is, you know, because we're looking at Modric and Cruz and they're getting to a stage where they're going to have to replace by, be replaced by someone at some stage now, whether that's Erdogan or they might sell Erdogan, get the money to try and finance somebody else, Carl. But I'm, I'm sh- like, when you look at him, this is serious business with Erdogan. This is a player that we need. And I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know what his buyout clause is. I, don't, I bet it's something ridiculous, but free, you know what? Let me see. Let me just quickly check. 350 million. <laughs> you know, I can chip in a tenner. <laughs> it's just like they've put that figure on there just because they can. But for me, I think 45, 50 million quid, even though we're talking about somebody who's been on loan, like you've mentioned to Holland in Spain, and now he's come here and, Let's face it, he's played a, a handful of games, but he looks so impressive. This, I mean, this is going to be a really strange transfer window, right? Mm. It's one thing not having money. It's mm. another thing where everyone doesn't have money and everyone knows everyone doesn't everyone, have any money. Yeah. So yeah. You, have, you might get into that very weird system where, so typically what happens is every summer is Real Madrid buy a player and that money mm. will circulate around for a long time or some will, will circulate. So... Like a really good example was United bought Paul Pogba from Juventus for 90 million. And then mm. Juventus used that money to go buy Higuain. And then Napoli used that money to go buy Milic. And Ajax mm. used that money to go buy a bunch of players. Mm-hmm. So you kind of hope there'll be a scenario where Real Madrid will go, okay, we're going to go buy player X. Mm. And that money will go left and right and left and right and left and right. And then maybe in one of the left turns, that means Arsenal can go buy Erngard. You know, very, you know, a bit like how. Real Madrid got bought Gareth Bale and that somehow yes. allowed Arsenal to buy Meza Ozil. Mm-hmm. We have to get him. This is flowers for him, by the way. Jeez, man. That's the kind of player that you could say, yeah, we're starting to go in the right direction. It's fun. It's fun. You've got, you've got a nice array of options at Arsenal and you've got that really fun thing where there are two or three players that you can assume are going to be there for a while mm-hmm. and that, you know, barring injury... They're going to get better every single season. And it's that thing yeah. of, okay, there's, there's a good upward trajectory in it. And I think that's probably why that 3-3 draw was so much fun. It was that thing yeah. of, God, Jesus. I can imagine the start no, of it wasn't no. so fun, but by the it's end horrible. you were. <laughs> yeah. You know, in respects of Erdogan, that, that, he's getting the flowers. I think he might get more as well. And, you know, we have to pray. Um, the Arsenal fan base have to put it out into the ether, the energy and the good vibes that we can make that happen because he is needed. Mm -hmm. He is needed. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. 
Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. It was the old firm derby on the weekend oh, as well. And I think yes. one moment that really struck out to me was Scott Brown yeah, going over yeah. to Glen Karma and basically mm. giving him a handshake and saying, I hope you're doing all right after what happened in the Europa League. Brilliant to see. It's be- and, and again, it's one of those gestures, Carl, when you see it, you think that is what you want to see because it doesn't get more vociferous than Celtic and Rangers. Yep. And it's just, I mean, I didn't watch the Rangers game on Thursday, but when you're seeing the replays mm. of what happened and this gentleman who just sort mm. of sneaks up to camera. The arrogance and it, of it. It just, just the unabashed cowardice, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Just so cowardly to come up to someone, whisper something in their ear and then run away. And then the moment the match officials are doing it, you're going, well, I, you know, it's that thing of when a bully is in your face, going, yes. I'm not touching, I'm not touching. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. And yeah. it's that sort of, that is the clearest distillation of how racism is a distraction, right? And it's that thing of people, and it, it's like boring wickedness, right? That was a yeah. very boring, dull, and this is when people say, oh, racist people are ignorant. It's like, no, there are some very smart people out there who are racist. That yes. player didn't do that because they were unintelligent. That player did it because yeah. he went. And very cal- a- he's very yeah. calculating in his moves. Yeah. What he done there, Carl, very calculated. Because I tell you what he done, what, he, what he's playing on was, yeah, well, how are you, you going to prove that? Yep. How are you going to prove that? And this is why with Steven Gerrard, and Steven Gerrard, it, it was, it's, it's logical. Steven Gerrard said, why, if you've got something to say to someone, then say it. You don't need to hide your, you don't need to hide it with your mouth and then say it. And then you see the, the, the you see Glenn Kamara's um, reaction. You know what's gone on there. And as a black player, as a black player, and like I've always said to black players, when they say they've been racially abused, they've probably been racially abused because it's not something that you, you say lightly because you know the repercussions of being accused of playing the race card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's, that, that for me was all I needed to see, Carl. And, you know, like it's, it's, it goes without saying that UEFA, who I don't trust, one instant, one iota with this, I still feel they're going to embarrass themselves and, and us as black people um, again and probably embarrass someone like Steve Gerrard who spoke so amazingly. Um, you know, they're not going to dish out the right punishment, but this is an opportunity. It's again, and we say this so many times, a massive opportunity for them to, you know what, I'd I, I go as far as to say, I'd, I'd ban Slavia Prague. And people say, yes, yeah, because you're, you're Arsenal biased. You, you can say that if you want, but I would ban them because it was premeditated what he'd done. He'd done that on purpose. What he was doing, he'd done that on purpose because he believed that, yeah, at the end of the day, UEFA won't do anything about it. They won't be able to really prove it. It's his word against mine. And I'll probably get away with this. So, 
it's 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 a sad situation. But I tell you, I, I sent a message to Stephen Gerrard just saying, you know, thank you for being an ally, a proper ally, Carl. You know, an ally, a proper ally. Like I saw a lot of comments with Stevie Gerrard after he'd done it to people saying, yeah, well, what about you and the, and the Suarez incident, the t-shirt stuff? And you think to yourself, well, here we go. So people are trying to find fault with somebody that's obviously learnt because Liverpool rightfully apologised for that. They rightfully apologised to Patrice Ever and Stevie Gerrard has obviously learnt from that situation. So people are saying now, Carla, what? No one's supposed to learn from a situation because he's learned from that situation because how he spoke is how you want to see white people and white people who are standing up for it speak. That was a proper ally. It wasn't, no, I'm going to, listen, yeah, we know Glenn Kamara's had a problem. We're going to wait and see what happens. We're going to see what happens in respects of the, the formal, formalities, what go on. No, he straight out, Carl, called it out for what it was. And that is how, that is, that is how we're going to deal with it. That is how we, we tackle it. People like Stevie Gerrard, white people like Stevie Gerrard, just, just, I am not having that. No way. Not on my watch. Backing him like I backed one of my kids. It was beautiful to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. The solidarity. <laughs> the captain, the moment mm. he hears what happens, is, is following camera and, and trying to get justice. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the thing that really gets me. And I know the name of the player who did it. I don't really want to give his name oxygen. Mm. Um, but the thing that gets me is that that player knew that was a form of provocation, right? Mm. That he could have said, this player has looked at Glenn Cameron and gone, this is a very good time yes. to try and get someone sent off. And there are many ways you can try and get a player for sent off, right? And, you, you know, there's sledging, you can say things about their ability and whatnot. Um but it's like, I'm going to go up to this person and whisper it. Yes. And when yeah. he gets mad, I'm going to run away and maybe mm. he'll hit me and then he's going to get sent off. And it's that thing of you pause for a moment and put in all this time to do something that wicked and mm. that malicious. Yeah. Uh, Slavia Prague released one statement that was not good, in my opinion, Mm-mm. where they, you know, they outwardly denied any wrongdoing and they said yeah. whatever happened wasn't what it was and they released a more recent statement saying um, that they would take on any punishment or any comment from UEFA mm-hmm. and they said we'll just we'll just sit here and, and see what happens and I think that was an interesting one and it, uh, mm-hmm. it's a bit like your feelings about UEFA it made me slightly uneasy of that sort of statement of a club going okay we made a mistake we'll just take our punishment Yeah, and, and like you said it's about learning right and mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a punishment out there other than taking away their Europa League space that will make a football club learn that this, you can't, you can't do that form of provocation. I feel, I feel Carl, if we're going to be totally honest, um, and we have to be honest here, it's just pure honesty. Like we saw with Steven Gerrard is the, is the, is the most, is the most, how can I say that the, the highest punishment you can give for this to make a stance against it. So that, like we said with the player, it was premeditated. He knew exactly what he was doing in that moment to get the reaction, what he was getting. So I believe that if you wait for which, like I say, I don't trust because let's face it, we're dealing with an institution that's full of white people. There's not enough black people in that organization for them to understand how important this moment is for them to get right. 
which they'll probably get wrong again. And that is the problem we have. We haven't got people in those, in those rooms. So you know that it would be a lot of white, white people in there who will not be held to account for what they do. And at the end of the day, when we boil it all down, it, it does come to the fact that it is white people that run the system. They're the ones. So how do you honestly expect black people to, to try and eradicate any kind of racism without the help of that white person, allies like Stevie Gerrard? That's an ally. Those people in UEFA, at UEFA, I should say, they don't care enough. So it won't hurt them enough. I don't know what the risk is for people to come out and not just, and, and be more than just not racist. What are you willing to put on the line to say, no, nah, I stand and I'm going to say this like Stevie Gerrard did with no excuses. No, I'm going to wait for this to go through the, the certain kind of red tape and whatever it has to go through. I'm going to say what needs to be said now. And that is why it was so powerful. Sacrifice. That's what needs happening. We need some form of sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I suppose all thoughts with Cameron and hope he's doing all right. So exactly. Exactly. Because what people don't understand just before we move on, Carl, is that every day as a black person, when you speak about it, like me speaking about it now, obviously it's a lot easier to speak about it in these times because there's a lot more receptive people towards it. But when you speak about it, you're putting yourself on the line with certain people looking and saying, oh, a little bit too a little bit too volatile for me, a little bit too, you know, getting too angry about that sort of stuff. It's a frightening thing. But now is the time because there's not a lot of risk for white people. There's not a lot you can lose by standing like Stevie Gerrard did. And I can't, I can't say how happy I was to see that. Mm -hmm. <sighs> to have a platform to be able to speak about it and to get such, such positive feedback from people who listen to Wrighty's House, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And you know what I mean? I really, I'm, I'm really pleased I've got there the platform to be able to speak freely like that. And I know that you accept it very well for me, but let's move on to something more positive because for me, that WSL deal um, that's just been announced, Sky and BBC, for the women's game mm -hmm. is, it's unbelievable, Carl. It's, 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 it's one of the best things that could have happened to the game. It's, it's been a long time coming. I'm delighted for them. I had a really cool um, interview I was doing with uh, Lucy Bronze yesterday. What a player. Her telling me about her struggle coming through as a kid and the traveling, everything she had to do, you know, but once she got to 12, when it had to stop, for them to get that kind of exposure now, you know, it's magnificent news. It's mm -hmm. great news. 22 matches live on the mm -hmm. BBC. So 18 are going to be on BBC One and Two. You've got 44 matches on Sky Sports. I think what's really interesting is that this is a three-year deal. Yes. But from what I understand... It could have been a four-year deal, but those involved at WSL believe that in having a three-year deal, because of the way football is going, they're mm. gonna, it, it opens up a great opportunity to renegotiate after three years rather than after yes. four years. So yes. not only is this a watershed moment, but those involved and the decision-makers involved are also having the courage to bet on the WSL and women's yeah. football to say, mm -hmm. this is just the start of something amazing. I spoke to my friend, Carrie Dunn, brilliant journalist. Um, and I said, look, you're a lot more versed in women's football than I am. And is there something I'm not seeing? Because very often with, in the history of women's football, there tends, when a good thing happens, you're, you're sort of always waiting for the sting in the tail. Yes. Right. So when money arrives, they, for a long time, there used to be that concern of what happens when the money runs out. But this, I mean, and what Carrie told me basically was like, this looks really good and really good. 
I'm solid. Wholesale. Like this doesn't yes. look, it doesn't look like the money's going to run out. It doesn't look like when the money does run out, mm-hmm. you're going to have to pull the plug. This looks like women's football is getting to a place in its current form that is sustainable Absolutely. and can get bigger, which is- It has to. You consider that's maybe the first time we've been able to say that about women's football in decades, yes. right? I mean, this is great for the WSL and it means for the next three years, probably, you know, next three, probably even seven, when, mm-hmm. you know, the renegotiation comes in, WSL is going to be good. It's going to be here to stay. Uh, this deal makes the WSL the most watched women's league in the United Kingdom, more so than netball, more so than rugby. Like, that's mm-hmm. great. On the other hand, mm-hmm. you've got to bear in mind that women's football in the pyramid, like lower down in the pyramid from basically like tier three downwards has basically been suspended again. Yeah, And it's that thing of, I don't want to get too much about is trickle-down economics working. Mm. So it's great that things are going on at the top and you've got to make sure now that some of this money does basically get reinvested into other parts of the pyramid, that there are other teams right now. So, you know, yeah. I, Manchester United women's team doing yeah. really, really well. They got promoted, they got put in the championship in their first season, got promoted, and now in their second season mm. in WSL. And this sponsorship money will mean they're going to exist for a long time. Yeah, You do worry about, so there's like a team, like Southampton's women's team, got made they're in the fourth tier mm-hmm. i believe and they've been trying to get promoted they last season they were looked like they won't get promoted season got suspended yeah this season looked like they won't get promoted season got suspended oh, no. and you're going okay are oh, they trapped and it's the thing of that they're a team that can travel in in the team coach and whatnot and they're playing against teams that are still basically having carpools right and whatnot right. and it's that thing of we're getting to a point now where at the top level women's football is great. It's amazing. And now I also, you know, you also want to turn around and say, how do we make sure mm-hmm. we don't get those, tier two, those people tier behind, three, yeah, tier three, yeah. tier four. How do you mm-hmm. make sure that if, you know, the, the 12 year old girl who watches a game on the Super League and goes, that's amazing. I want to start playing football. Yeah. How do you make sure that she can buy football boots? Exactly. Being on television and having that representation, hopefully, means more things get considered and you have those conversations about, okay, how do we make sure we stock women's football boots? Okay, how do we make sure mm-hmm. that all these teams playing have proper medical facilities? Yes. So we're not having to pause a game for 20 minutes because we're waiting for an ambulance to come, but yes. to make sure that those medical facilities are there and then. Mm. I think those are the next step. Now. I think as well, Carl, when, um, again, you, you mentioned like the, the initiative with Barclays with the 2024, so mm. girls in their schools, they will be able to choose football as, you know, what they want to do. Because I I always, you know, like I said, I spoke to Lucy Bronze, spoke to Kelly Smith, spoke to Frank Kirby. And the age, when you get to 12, it was literally like, bam, everything kind of stops for you. For them to do that in 2024, Barclays, so as the kids can have that at their disposal, then you've got uh, Sky and BBC, you know, to give it even more coverage so people can see. so. I was speaking to our colleague, Laura, and her daughter's four, mm-hmm. Evie, and she says she wants to do ballet and football. As long as they can make sure that they get those things in place with the league doing what it's doing, people like Lucy Bronze and all those kind of girls still doing unbelievable things. Hopefully they could do great stuff in the Euros and the, the GB um, Olympics and all that stuff to inspire again. And then I believe that because the women, remember, you know, they were stopped from playing. Mm-hmm. For- Can you imagine where women's football could be now? And all those amazing players that we've probably missed out on and 
all the players that we probably missed out on from the age of 12 who didn't do what most of these girls who are playing now have done and carried on and found and found and found. You listen to Kelly Smith's story, bro. And it's honestly a story of just like, like euphoria and then tragedy in respects of injuries and then leagues breaking down, coming yep. back to England, then going back to America. What women had to go through. I'd love for somebody to do the documentary. Maybe I should do it. Yes, shit. I shouldn't have put that out there. I should have just kept it to myself. There's an Someone ama- should do the documentary. There's an amazing on, on what's happened. Website called Since 1971, which mm-hmm. covers women's fo- modern day women's football, and, and you know that's the, it's in the title of because women's football has only been legal since 1971 because there was a big 50, 50 plus 50 year, year gap. Yeah. Year gap, and I think, and that's the thing when 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 you have that football fan that goes, women's football is not as good, and women's football is this, and women's football is that, and you go, what? It was banned from exactly for 50 women years. weren't allowed like, to play. There's so many collective memories and experiences that women's football didn't get to have. Right, mm-hmm. you didn't get to have that moment where we still haven't had. You know, you know when you see that great video when the granddad takes the grandkid to the football mm-hmm. stadium for the first time and the yes. kids are like, "Wow, it's yeah. a football stadium." Mm-hmm. And I think we're only now just having those experiences for the women's game, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's the thing where. When you see, I, there's a sort of there's a type of football fan that says they don't like modern day Premier League football, whatever Premier League football, because it's it's too much about money and yeah. it's not about community and the players dive too much and they do this mm. and they do that and it's not about the sport. And every time I meet a football fan like that, I go, "Do you watch women's football?" Because oh, like all the things that you're annoyed about are in women's football. If you think yeah. women's football, if you think football is too homogenized and this and money spoiling it. And they're not preserving the Corinthian spirit. I'm like, come on, let's let's go to a women's game. Mm-hmm. Like these mm-hmm. are these are like nearly all the things that you say you miss about football. And, it's in the women's game, it's and, wholesome, and it's it's going to get better and better and better. And mm-hmm. I think it's a case of the bubble's getting bigger, and it's a case of, I mean, for me as a man, and I'm speaking to you as another man, of I just mm-hmm. want to make sure. And it, it sounds really good, and it sounds like it's going to be sustainable. I just want to make sure everyone gets to enjoy it and not absolutely. just at the very, very top. Yeah, absolutely. We can move smoothly on to the England team and um, San Marino game. And it's going to be interesting to see what Gareth does with his team and who, who's going to be in the team. But I'd like to see some players rested, if I'm totally honest, and get some players out there. You know, get the Calvert-Lewins playing, that kind mm-hmm. of person. Get them playing. Obviously, I want to see Luke Shaw playing. But there's players who should who are tired and that should be rested. And there's players that this is the kind of game you should be playing them in just to get them to get them to play that international football and score a few goals against uh, San Marino. I was reading something the other day. I was the last person to score four goals for England and it was against San Marino. Still, people say, yeah, but it's against San Marino. I said, yeah, but it's four goals for England, bro. You can't, I, I can't ever forget that. I remember watching Gary Lineker score four goals against Malaysia. When I mentioned it to Gary Lineker, Gary Lineker says, I don't care, bro. That's four goals. That's four yeah. goals for <laughs> That's four goals for England, just like he scored four goals for England against Spain. I said, is it any different? He says, four goals for England are four goals for England. But I just feel that it's a game that we just need to get some players playing. I want to see, I want to see John Stones playing. I want to see Luke Shaw playing. I want to see, you know, I want to see Calvert-Lewin playing. Yep. You know? It's going to be uplifting, man. It's, I mean, England are one of the favourites. For the Euros? I know we've had times where England have been the favourites, and I say the favourites in air quotes, but this is one of the times where you look at the squad and you go, no, that's that's a stacked squad. That's stacked, a, bro. That's stacked. Yeah. Like maybe 
maybe you want two or three more centre-backs or two or three more centre-midfielders. But if, if Southgate wants to keep playing 3-4-3, three, three, which I think he wants to do, mm. that allows so much opportunity and there's so much. Especially, I mean, I just get giddy when I think about Harry Kane dropping yeah. to the 10 and then you've got guys like Sancho Sterling, Rashford, sometimes even Grealish running ahead of him. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's you know, the, some that's the question though, Carl. It's just like, that's the thing though. That some are not going to play, Carl, but I, was seeing, I saw something, someone talking about Grealish not being able to play in a 3-4-3. Three, three. And I think to myself, again, like I was speaking about with Erdegaard, you know, somebody that, you know, you want somebody who goes between the lines is not just, Yes, Harry Kane comes short, so you got we can get players who are bombing on. What happens when somebody caters for us for knowing that Harry Kane's coming short? They cater for Jaden Sancho maybe coming in off the right or and, and Sterling off the left or vice versa, and then they're catering for that. Where's our X factor? Yeah, who's 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 the X factor? So like, there's a great. To say if that, you want a great example of a three-four-three three working against a team that sits deep, watch Antonio Conte's Chelsea mm-hmm. and how Hazard worked in that Chelsea mm-hmm. team, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the blueprint. Jack Grealish at his best is in that, yeah, he's in that mode, bro. Can play of, with like Hazard. And I think, yeah, absolutely put Jack Grealish on there for 3-4-3. Let the man work. Let him work, man. Folding as well. See, yeah, but you look at it, like you say, with stat. Folding Sancho, you know what I mean? And, and, and Grealish, when we're getting ready to go to the, um, to the, to, to the European Championships, that excites me, bro. Because Foden, for me, should be played against San Marino. I'd play him in, I'd play him in all three of the games mm-hmm. simply because of the amount of, you know, when you look at someone like Phil Foden and he's, and I remember like the clamor for, he should be playing now, he should be playing regularly now. And he's not been, but like now we're seeing him playing a lot more regularly, but I still feel that he's not nowhere near as tired as other people will be because he has been rested in certain games when people say, well, he should be playing. I think that Foden can play against San Marino, Albania and Poland. He could play in all those games, fingers crossed. Obviously, he doesn't get injured, but that's the kind of player that we need to unlock. Oh, yeah. Let him do his stuff, bro. Let him play in that place where he can just get on it. And like we mentioned, Erdogan, and and get on it, not be afraid to turn and go at people, pass the ball into lines where, yeah, it might get cut out, but if it doesn't, then you've got people like Harry Kane waiting to finish up. Let's do it, man. Let's play. Let's play these players who have got that X factor that we so needed in the World Cup when we didn't have it against Croatia. I got a tricky question for you. Go on. Who would you start as goalkeeper for these games? I'd probably, I'd probably go with Pope. So you think it's going to be Nick Pope. So it's Dean Henderson, Sam Johnson and Nick Pope. Uh, Sam apparent- Johnson's maybe a bit too early, but he's good. He's, he's good as well on the floor. But like everybody's going to say about the, f- the feet with Anderson. Yeah. You know, that's, and and it, is, it is a massive thing. This is why, you know, you can't totally write off Jordan Pickford. And you, you maybe have to pick him, um, Carl, and pray to God he doesn't make a mistake. But you shouldn't have to think like that with a goalkeeper. What so, are you thinking? So these, th- these three goalkeepers, Dean Henderson, Sam Johnson, Nick Pope, for these three games for England, I would most want to see and this feels bad to say because I cover Manchester United but I'd most want to see Nick Pope in goal mm. and then I want to see if if there's a chance to play another goalkeeper then I want to see Henderson second but can I say something quickly cards yeah, don't yeah, want yeah. to stop me bro. I'd probably if you're bringing Sam Johnson in would you think that just to get into the vibe like I say bringing in players 
when you play them against someone like San Marino, where we, we, with all due respect to them, we're probably going to beat them. So wouldn't that be a good one to blood him in just to get a feel? Get, you know, let's see him. Let's see him on the floor with the ball. Let's see him passing it out. Let's see what he's about because God forbid anything happened to like, like a, a Jordan Pickford going in there or a Henderson or a Pope and he comes in and then anything happened when you're at a tournament, you have to put him in. Put him in so we can say, yeah, but when he played against San Marino, although they weren't unbelievably great with their pressing in there, He's good on the floor, makes great saves. He's good. I'd like to see someone like Sam Johnson, but he'll probably play Henderson, won't he? I don't know. Remains to be seen. I think Henderson works in, if you want to, you know, if you want to play, and yeah, if there's a version of, of United, of United, sorry, if there's a version of England out there where you play your United players, it makes mm. sense to play Henderson, Maguire, Shaw, and Rashford. So you just have that connection all the way down the left-hand side. Um. But yeah, I, I can totally see why you want to play Johnson mm. against San Marino. If only to see have how, yeah, have a look, see how loud have, he is, see see if he wants to tell his centre backs to drop deep or move up mm. and play offside trap, and yeah. take it from there. That's a really good point. absolutely. Otherwise, otherwise, what we're doing in games like this, you don't get many games where you can try out with an Albania. Albania could turn up and then all of a sudden cause you just cause you problems, right? But I would like to see us in a situation where we are under a bit of pressure, certain players who come in, otherwise what you're doing at that level, mm. get them in. Don't bring, you know what I mean? That's one of the things that I was most frustrated about when I played for England. You know what I mean? When I play, I'm thinking, surely, you know what, like when I first got in Lineker playing and I said, surely you could give me like half an hour now. You know what I mean? Playing against a team that, you know, give me a game, bro. You know, that it's, it's really tough. It's really tough to play people. Let's have a look. If it's not right, bam, sorry, I tried it, it didn't work out. Bring someone else in. Try them out. Put me in, coach. <laughs> Put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. That's what I said, Steve Koppel. Fine. Come on, man. How long? Jesus. <laughs> 70 minutes, man. Get me on. <laughs> God, let me help you. So, you know, hopefully these three games are going to say a lot about it. Hopefully rest some people, but I'd like to see some different people get a game, Carl. That's the point I was making, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, it's been great, man. It's yeah. been great chatting. What are you doing today? What are you, what's, what's the rest of your day looking like, bro? I am going to go talk to some international journalists, try and find nice out how one, their man. national teams are doing, figure out the Euros. Nice. I got an announcement on Wednesday that hopefully you can all uh, look forward to. I am looking forward to it already. Even just saying that, I'm looking forward to it already. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good nice one. Nice one. Listen, man, thanks for coming to the yard, bro. It's been a pleasure. I'll see yeah. you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much to Carl Anker from The Athletic. Thank you, guys. Thanks to you. Um, I hope you're staying well and healthy. And I'll see you again next week. Take it easy, guys. God bless. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.